0: Welcome to Newport Church at Home Online. We're so glad you joined us, whether it's from Orange County or another part of the United States or another part of the world. We're so glad that you could be with us today. I am praying that faith will rise in your heart. You'll have a fresh sense of hope and optimism about the days ahead and that God's word will inspire you. The worship will uplift you and and you'll know a special sense of God's grace for Today and this coming week I pray that you know a special, special sense of God's presence in your home As we continue this service today So glad you could be with us
1: Well good morning church We're so excited that you could join us for worship this morning We're going to sing the song, See the Light And declare that all of this is for God's glory So let's sing this together sing. Arise, my soul, remember this. He took my sin and he buried it. No longer I who live, now Jesus lives in me. For I was But I woke up To see the light No, I won't boast No, I won't boast But in the cross That saved my soul All else is lost The grip of has no hold on me so where oh death where is your sting no longer I who live now Jesus lives in me for I was dead in sin but I woke up to see the light Let's make this our declaration this morning. Come on. All, all of this for your glory. And all, all of this for your glory. Let's sing all of this. All, all of this for your glory. All of this, all. All of this for your glory. Oh, let's sing it one more time. All of this. All, all of this for your glory. And all, all of this for your glory. No longer I you live. Now Jesus lives in me. For I was dead in sin But I woke up to see the light We declare all 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 of this for your glory Yes, all All For Your glory, all of this and all, all of this for Your glory, and all, all of this for Your glory. All of this, Lord. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Lord. We love You, Jesus.
2: the glory that stays you never dim you never fade cause you are the power and the truth and nothing can stop you nothing can stop you even the darkest You the everlasting light Even the darkest days are temporary You are the everlasting light And all of the time and space could not contain you You are the Everlasting
0: well, it's so good to be able to worship God and today I want to continue and just share a couple of thoughts before an inspiring video about generosity. As we prepare to give our donations, our tithes and our offerings, this is an act of worship. And the Bible talks about honoring God with the first fruits of all of our increase and that when we do that God blesses us. He causes that to become an overflow in our lives and I want to encourage you to believe God for his promises, remind God of his promises, take God at his word. You can never out give God and when we tithe we know that what we're left with will always go further than what we would have held on to. So I pray that you're encouraged. I want to pray for you Going on the screens, are a number of different ways that we can give. um, But I pray that you're inspired by this video also. Father, we thank you for your grace and goodness. And I pray today that as we give and as we sow, Lord, that you would show yourself strong in each one of our lives. May provision flow. May we have provision for the vision. But Lord, may those who sow reap according to the promises of your word And we thank you today that we can be a difference in these difficult, uncertain, and troubled times. And we can be that voice of hope and faith because of the generosity of your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: I have a dream.
0: Ask not what your country can do for you. The time to build is upon us. All the nations shall find blessing. The common language of science. Is
2: your heart right?
3: Peace on earth, that implies no violence. There is an indefinable, mysterious power that pervades everything. is our freedom and our strength we are taking care of nearly 46000 lepers there is always there's one more bed one more plate of rice one more blanket to cover and we are trying to bring that love and peace and joy to our neighbor and to in the street we live, in the town we live, and then again to the whole world. And I think love begins at home. Take one person, individual person, one person at a time. We can serve only one at a time, we can love only one at a time. The whole world, though we are, it sounds so big and so much and all that, yet it is but only a drop in the ocean. But if we didn't do that little drop, that ocean would be one drop less. Help somebody in their own family first and then next door neighbor. Vocation is uh, belonging to Christ. The work is only a means to put our love for Christ into action. The work is not my work. It is the work of us all and you and me. Because it is his work,
4: this week I asked somebody who's a friend what the most uh, special part of our home is to them and interestingly instead of uh, describing an ornament or a picture the first thing that they said was the atmosphere in our home and for me atmosphere is everything because in a season where um, you know home is locked down in most places Atmosphere is everything, and it's up to us to be a, a thermostat and not a thermometer. So we can read the times, but also we can control the atmosphere in our life. And I would like to, you know, share with you one of the most special things in our home. On our mantle, it's been there for many years. Actually, before we even moved to America 14 years ago, And that is the letters PEACE, P-E-A-C-E. I love the fact that even when we don't know what's going on, even though lots of things could be happening that are outside of our control and causing us to worry, that we can have this amazing peace. And many, many times visitors come to our home and um, they walk in and just say, oh, there is a peace here. I thank God for that because that's something that we actually really treasure in our family and in our home and we want people to be able to walk in and say this atmosphere is peaceful. So these letters P-E-A-C-E that sit on um, the mantle in our white room are really precious. I first um, acquired them in Australia and had them on our mantle for Christmas many years ago, probably 16 years ago, and I didn't ever take them down because I decided that the, the word peace is not just about Christmas, it's about everyday life and how much all of us need it, and I'm sure you'll agree. I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 9, 6 to 7 in the New Living Translation, and this is what the Bible says. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. Right now we need to remember that because Father God is seated on his throne. Jesus is at his right hand interceding for us. And the Holy Spirit is ever present. He is the one who brings us peace. So may peace be part of your life and your home this week and always. This may even be a bit of a mini series of the home segment because I realized I do have a lot of (laughs) um, peace visuals in my home because it's a value. So God bless you. Have an amazing and very peaceful week. I love you.
0: God bless. Well, we're going to continue today with our series on we've never been this way before. Of course, the context of The passage that we're looking at is where the nation of Israel are on the east shore of the Jordan River. They're about to cross into the promised land, and Joshua speaks to the people. And this is what he says. We read in Joshua 3, verse 1, Early in the morning Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. That's the key verse. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. When God delivered the nation of Israel, from uh, slavery, 400 years of slavery in Egypt. He did for them what they could never have done for themselves. There was no way that the nation of Israel could have escaped from the chains and the slavery that had enslaved them for all those years and from the might and power of Pharaoh and Egypt. But God did for them through a mighty Outstretched arm, what they could never have done for themselves. When they went into the wilderness, God did for them what they could never have done for themselves by providing for them all those forty years in the most in the harshest and most difficult of terrain in the desert, providing manna for them and quails for them to eat, providing water and sustenance for them, and he did for them what they could never have done for themselves, but now here they were on the shores of the Jordan River and God said to them, everything is going to change. Now I want you to do for yourselves what I have been doing for you. I've done what you could never have done for yourselves for the last 40 years, but now where I've carried you, I want you to walk. Where I fought your battles for you, I want you to fight those battles. Where I fed you, I want you to feed yourselves. And if you value my presence, and in those verses we read, keep your eyes on the ark and follow the ark. If you value my presence, I will guide you so that you will know which way to go. If you value my word, my word will be a roadmap for you so that you will know which way to go. And if you take steps of faith, you'll be able to possess land and the promises that I've promised to you, but you're going to have to take those steps of faith yourself. I'm only gonna give you the land that you put your feet on. I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna go before you. I'm gonna be there with you. I will teach you. I will equip you. I will empower you but you're going to have to take those steps for yourselves. When it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to our walk with God, there are many things that God does for us that there is no way that we can do for ourselves. But there are other things that God expects us to do for ourselves. He promises he'll teach us, he'll give us, authority he'll empower us but we have to take those steps of faith for ourselves for example when it comes to our salvation there is no way that we can save ourselves in the book of romans we read in romans 5 6 christ died for us when we were unable to help ourselves in other words we can't do anything to save ourselves Paul says to the Ephesians, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves or from anything that you've done. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that anyone could boast. In other words, there's nothing that any of us could do to earn our salvation or to save ourselves. Jesus did that for us by leaving heaven, coming to earth, taking on himself the form of a man. He was the God-man who took upon himself our sins on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and we could be rescued, we could be saved, and we could be made right with God. That was something that God did for us that we could never do for ourselves. But the interesting thing is that the word of God tells us that we should work out our salvation. So the salvation is a gift, but the other side is we have to work out our salvation. God did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Now he's expecting us to do for ourselves things that will help us to grow in all that he has made available for us. So Philippians 2:12, Paul says to the Philippians, "Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling." Or with fear and or reverence and, and awe. And in the Amplified Version, I love this, it says, continue to work out your salvation. That is, cultivate it, bring it to full effect, actively pursue spiritual maturity with awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name. Christ. We have to work out our salvation. We, We have to do for ourselves things that God is asking us to do so that we can grow. God says, now you're ready to start to do these things for yourself. And Jesus demonstrated this in the way that he trained his disciples and that he prepared them for all that was to come. Jesus spent Uh, three and a half years training his disciples and they watched everything that Jesus did. Jesus was doing things the disciples had never seen before. He raised the dead, he healed the sick, he stilled the storm, he turned water into wine, he had authority over the forces of darkness and demonstrated his authority and power and sovereignty wherever he went. The disciples had never seen anything like this before. Nothing like this had ever been seen before. But then Jesus began to involve them in the process of these miracles. He, he told the disciples when there were 5,000 men besides women and children where, that Jesus fed as he multiplied the loaves and the fishes, he blessed the bread and the fish and he gave the few that they had to the disciples. And he said, now you feed them. And I imagine the disciples would have looked at the fish, looked at the bread that have looked at the crowd and their hearts might well have sunk because they would have thought within themselves, how could this much possibly go amongst so far? And yet as they handed out the bread and the fish, it multiplied in their hands until every single one of the men, women and children that were there were fed and 12 baskets were left over that they gathered to take home. Jesus involved them in the process, so they began to do what they'd never done before. Other stories that that come to mind are when Jesus uh, was asked if uh, he paid the temple tax, or Peter was asked if Jesus paid the temple tax, and and Jesus told Peter, yes, we do, but go to the Sea of Galilee, throw in a, a, a line, And the first fish that you catch will have a coin in it. Pay the temple tax with that. Sure enough, the first fish that Peter caught had a coin in it. And he gave that to them so that they could pay the temple tax. Jesus involved Peter the miracle and there are many other stories where the disciples began to do what they'd never done before and it helped them to grow in their faith helped them to grow until finally Jesus told them now's the time I'm going to have to leave and of course after his death and resurrection he told them gave them the Great Commission go into all the world make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit and whatsoever things I have taught you teach them And he went on to say, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said, you've basically seen me doing everything for you. Now I want you to do what you saw me doing, and I want you to do it for yourselves. I want you to take those steps of faith. And he said, two things, I'm going to be with you. Lo, I'm with you even till the end of the age. And then secondly, he said, I'm going to empower you. And I want you to wait in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit is going to come and be poured out upon you and empower you so that you can be witnesses throughout all the earth. So Jesus demonstrated that he trained the disciples, he released the disciples, he empowered the disciples so that they could do what they had never done before. He taught them his words of life. He gave them authority in his name. He gave them power from on high. And in this season that we're in, with all that we're facing and all of the challenges and all of the turmoil and all that's happening, how important it is that we pause and we stop and that we remember that in the midst of all that's going on, Jesus has positioned us in this moment of time as followers of Christ, who in the same way as he told his disciples to go into all the world, he's called us to be a voice of hope and faith. He's called us to take that message of life to our community, whether it's online, whether it's through social media, whether it's through other electronic electronic forms of communication or written forms of communication. And he said that in the midst of all that, and in the midst of all the challenges that we face, even in our own personal lives and world, first of all, if we have Jesus' words as our roadmap, if we have understand that we have authority in his name and receive and ask for power from on high, we're going to be able to go where we've never been before, do what we've never done before, and we're going to be able to make a difference in our day, and our generation. The journey uh, of possessing God's promises involves moving from having things done for us to doing things for ourselves. I think if you were to, we were to look at the life of a child, as a child grows from childhood to adolescence to adulthood, part of that process is moving from a place where everything's been done for us to a place where we begin to do things for ourselves. And as parents, if we do everything for our kids, and as they grow, we continue to do that for them, they will never have an opportunity to grow. They'll never have an opportunity to to develop new skills or learn how to take on new responsibilities. So in order for our kids to grow into healthy, resilient, responsible young people, we need to actually take our hands off and let them begin to do things for themselves. Otherwise, they'll never grow. And that's exactly what God was doing with the nation of Israel, what Jesus was doing with his disciples, and with what God does with us. He wants us to take those steps of faith because that's where we step into the promises. I think with our children, there are so many great examples. I think of our kids and teaching them how to swim. And of course, when they first get in the pool, some of them just want to jump in uh, and others are more cautious. And you hold them while they kick and they splash and they do the doggy paddle and, 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 and so on. But, but there comes a moment when you, you actually let go. And when you let go, they begin to take those first splashes towards swimming on their own and under their own steam. And it's essential that that takes place, otherwise they'll never learn how to swim until finally they begin to swim and they discover the wonder of being able to swim on their own in exactly the same way with teaching them how to ride a bicycle. I can remember teaching our kids how to ride a bicycle and you hold the handlebars and you hold the seat and they sit on it and they pedal and you're holding them and they feel safe and secure while you're holding them until the moment comes when you let go of your hand on the handlebars and you're just holding the seat and have you still got me? Yes, I've still got you. And then there comes a moment when that you can sense and feel that they're actually riding on their own that you let go of the seat and, they, and you run alongside them. They think you're still holding them but you're not holding them anymore. They're riding for themselves until you step back and they get this this kind of shocked look on their face. They're riding the bicycle on their own, but they would never learn how to ride the bicycle on their own if we didn't let go. And there's a sense where God says, I'm not gonna do everything for you. I'm gonna let go and let you begin to take those steps of faith and watch what I will do. I'm gonna be with you, I'll guide you with my spirit, my word will be your roadmap, and I'll be with you as you take every step of faith. But if you're going to go into all that I've got for you, you gotta to begin to walk for yourselves. You gotta to begin to walk where I've carried you. You're gonna to have to fight your own battles, battles that I fought for you. And then thirdly, you're gonna to have to feed yourself and not just rely upon being fed by me or others around about you. Last week, we talked about the importance of that and how in the book of Acts, one of the most powerful verses, Acts 2, was the disciples, they devoted themselves. They were not being devoted by the apostles. No, the disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to the teaching of the word to breaking of bread to worship and to prayer and that was what made all the difference what a difference it makes when we begin to take those steps for ourselves I know for myself as we go into a month where kids are starting to go back to school and many are going to be in distance learning there's a big difference between our kids devoting themselves to their studies And us as parents having to devote them to their studies. And and we're praying that in our home, that that's what's going to happen. That our daughter, our 12-year-old, soon to be a teenager, is going to devote herself to her studies. And it's going to help her progress and it's going to help me and help us as a family to help her to take those steps so that she can continue to grow so that she can begin to feed herself rather than expecting to be being fed and that applies so much to our spiritual life as well so the fourth thing that I want to talk about that God asked the people to do for themselves was to manage the land themselves They were coming into a new land that they'd never been in before. And this is what God said in Deuteronomy 6, 10 to 12. He said, When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God said, you're going to inherit this land. I'm gonna give it to you. You're going to uh, inherit something that you did nothing to receive. It was a, it's an inheritance. You're going to inherit fields, vineyards, orchards, farms that you didn't plant, buildings that you didn't build, wells that you didn't well. And don't forget that it's me that's giving it to you. But in order for you to inherit them, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to start to manage them for yourselves. God was saying, the work of giving you the inheritance is what I've done. Now, what are you going to do with the inheritance I've given you? What are you going to do to manage the land that I've given you? And so God was saying, now you've got to manage the land for yourself. An inheritance is given, but it has to be managed properly for it to be a blessing. If it's not managed properly, it will be lost. But if we manage an inheritance well, We'll see it grow and continue to be a source of great blessing to us and to others. Adam was given the Garden of Eden to manage. God was giving the nation of Israel the promised land to manage. Each one of us has been given a spiritual inheritance in Christ that we are responsible for managing and developing. That's our inheritance. That's what God gives to us. But what are we going to do with that? And the pages of history are filled with stories of people who wasted or squandered their inheritance and lost it all. And God is saying if you're going to if you're going to be the people that that I want you to be, you're going to have to learn to manage what I give to you. God had managed their journey through the wilderness. Now he was saying, I want you to manage what you've never had to manage before. They had to manage things they'd never managed before because everything had changed. They had been uh, nomadic. Now they were permanent in the land. They'd been living in tents. Now they were going to live in houses. They were picking manna off the ground and quails off the ground. Now they were going to have to work the fields, plowing, sowing, reaping, Uh, Where they had reaped previously, where they hadn't sown, now they were going to have to sow in order to reap. They'd never been this way before. God had done it all for them, and now they were going to have to do this for themselves. They were going to have to learn skills that they'd never learned before. They'd never farmed. They'd never cultivated They'd never lived in buildings without walls. They'd never owned land before. And there's a big difference between a culture of tents and a culture of houses, villages, towns, and cities. They were landless, but now they were landed, landowners. They were nomadic. Now they were settled. They'd lived in tents. Now they were living in houses. They lived in camps, and now they were gonna live in villages, towns, and cities. They'd lived grazing herds, and now they were gonna be planting fields. They'd been herders, and now they would become merchants. And so everything was changing. Their, Their management skills had to go up to a whole new level, because God had given them so much, they had to learn how to manage it. And it's exactly the same in our own lives. Whatever God has given to us, we have a responsibility to manage. And this story reminds us of the importance and the power of that. But here's an interesting thing that God says that I want to take a few moments highlighting that is so important for us. God said, I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs on you and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of your way. Listen to this. But I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land." That's a very interesting thing that God says. God says, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna go before you. You have to fight the battles. You have to place your feet on the land. I'm gonna help you with all that, but I'm not gonna do it straight away. And the reason he says that is because you are not gonna be able to manage everything if I give you everything at once. You've gotta start to learn to manage the ground that you've taken. And when you've taken that ground and you learn how to manage that, then you can take the next step and you can take the new ground that I'm placing before you. In a sense, there's a pattern here that we see in the way that they occupied the land. They took the land, number one, then they consolidated to manage the land that they'd taken, and then they scouted out new land that they could take. And that pattern is such a powerful pattern because it's a pattern that applies to our lives. That's the movement or momentum of our lives that God wants us to have, to take new ground in our own spiritual lives in the things that God has called us to do and in the, in, in the vision that we have and what we're building as a church, what we're building as a community, what you're building in your workplace and through your business and through all of your dreams to take new ground But once we've taken the ground, we have to consolidate. We have to manage it before we scout out new ground. And that principle runs all the way through scriptures. God was wanting to give them the land little by little because he wanted them to understand the process that was involved for them to become owners. God's end goal was ownership. And I I want to encourage you that God's end goal for every one of us is ownership. Not just to to know about his promises, not just to experience his promises from time to time, but to have a sense of owning those promises in our own lives and of owning all that God has for each and every one of us. Um, They would never be able to come into permanent ownership if they did not know what had been entrust, how to manage what had been entrusted to them so far. And until they managed the land that God had entrusted to them, God wasn't going to give them any more land. And this is so important for us as we look at our own lives. Um, we have our eyes on the promise. We have our eyes on what we, we, we want to to lay a hold of in faith. We have our eyes on all that we wanna see our lives become and all that we would like to be doing and all that we would like to be happening in our lives and in our world. But I believe the question that God is asking each and every one of us, and especially in this season of lockdown where everything's been turned upside down, the question that God would ask us is, are you working with what you currently have? What are you doing with what you currently have? Are you plowing the ground that I've given to you so far? Are you seeding the ground that I've given you so far? Are you cultivating the land that I've given you so far? Are you nurturing the land that I've given to you? Are you developing what I've given to you? And are you faithfully managing what I've given to you. That is such an important question for, for all of us. And, and we need to ask ourselves, what are we doing with the sphere of influence, responsibility, of entrustment that God has given to us in whatever field it may be, whether it's in our homes, whether it's in our workplace, whether it's in our church life, in our leadership, in any shape or form. What are we doing with the platform that God has given to us? Are we exercising wisdom? Are we being diligent? Are we using the influence we have to see the greatest purpose and ultimate purpose of all to see God's kingdom come and God's will be done? In these times of uncertainty, of fear, of anxiety, of so much divisiveness that is at the forefront of what's happening in our nation and and around the world, how important it is that we use the sphere of influence that God has given to us to be a voice of hope and faith in our conversations, in our engagement with other people, in, in all of the platforms that we have, whether it's social media that gives us a platform to communicate, from are we being a voice of hope and faith, or are we simply reflecting, being an echo of the many voices that we hear around about us that are not bringing clarity, not bringing focus, not bringing hope, not bringing faith, voices that divide us rather than unite us, and, and that what all that we're saying is coming through the filter of God's word and the framework of his perspective, because real and lasting change will only ever come when our combined and concerted efforts are focused on seeing his kingdom come and his will be done. The Apostle Paul talks about this and he calls it his sphere of influence. He talks about how God gave him a sphere of influence and his responsibility was to be faithful in that sphere of influence and if he was faithful in that sphere of influence, God would cause it to expand so that he could influence a greater areas uh, and greater spheres. So he writes, um, we, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. And he goes on to say, our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will be will greatly expand, so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. For we do not want to boast about work already done in someone else's territory. In other words, Paul's saying, I don't want to. I, I I've been given a sphere of influence. That's my responsibility, not other territory that God has given to others, and that's their sphere. But I'm responsible for my sphere of influence. And he was saying that if he was, then that sphere of influence would grow and expand. The expansion of our sphere of influence, the expansion of the sphere God has given to us, is dependent upon our faithfulness. What we do with the sphere of influence we have now will determine the spheres of influence that God brings us into in the future. The life of Joseph is a great example of that. If we, What we do with the sphere of our responsibility now will determine the levels of responsibility God gives us in the future. How we manage what we've been entrusted with now will determine what we are entrusted with in the future. Remember, Jesus said, he who is faithful in little will be given more or will be given much. But if we're not faithful with what we've been given, even what we have will be taken away. It's so easy for us in life to look at other people who are further down the line, further down the track, who are doing things that we would love to be doing, who are enjoying influence and opportunities that maybe we would love to have. And we look at their lives and and we want to be there. We wanna be there now. But the reality is we cannot shortcut the process if we wanna get there. The only way for us to get to possess that promise is for us to understand the power of the process. And the power of the process is I have to be faithful with the sphere of what God has given to me now. And if I'm faithful with that, then I'll be able to go to the next level. And here's what I want to close with and highlight. God's God's purpose was to bring the nation of Israel into ownership of the land. Not Not just occupation for a short period of time, but ownership. The management and the process of the importance of managing increasingly bigger spheres was to bring them to a place of ownership where they owned the land. God wanted them to know the power of ownership. He wanted them to have a vision of ownership. He wanted them to have a culture of ownership. And God wants us as a people to have an ownership mindset, an ownership culture, an ownership vision. He wants to instill in us a sense of ownership. Slaves in Israel had no ownership or no sense of ownership or even no vision of ownership. In the wilderness, they had, there was no ownership. Um, they, were, they were just traveling through. They were nomadic. But God wants to bring us into a place where we can know ownership. And here's the interesting thing, that the only place, way that we can come into ownership is to take ownership of where we are now. There's a difference, I think we would all understand it. There's a difference between an employee mentality and a business owner's mentality. So often as a business owner, there's a powerful sense of ownership. Uh, we rise and fall on our leadership. But very often as an employee, an employee can have a, 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 a mindset or, or an attitude of someone who's just hired. For a season and there's no sense of ownership and that employee will never become the kind of person that contributes uh, to the business in a way that's going to help the business flourish and grow and create a healthy culture. No, the person who has uh, a sense of ownership as an employee will always stand out above everyone else. Of course we know the difference between renting a house and owning a house and of course Sadly, at times, people who rent houses don't take care of what they've been entrusted with because of, well, it's just a rental. But I think if maybe we had an attitude of ownership while we're renting a house and we looked after that house as if it was our own, God would somehow, and I know the principles of God's word teaches us, teach us that God will bless that. And, he, and God will say, that's the kind of person I want to put into ownership. That's the kind of person I want to promote because they're going to have a sense of ownership that's gonna take my kingdom forward, that's gonna advance my purposes and gonna bring great blessing to people. Ownership is the key to good management. Ownership in God's mission and vision. Ownership in our homes. Ownership in our local church, in our areas of responsibility, ownership in our workplace, not abdication. There's such a a, a, unfortunately that there is often a culture of abdication where where people leave maybe their responsibility or, or 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 because they don't have a sense of ownership. Ownership is the very opposite to abdication. And wherever there is that culture of ownership, there's going to be strength. There's going to be great vitality. So God wants to bring us into ownership. He brought the children of Israel into ownership. He wants to bring us into ownership. And, and uh, little by little, they took the ground. And here's the pattern, the ABC that I mentioned before. A, take new ground. B, consolidate and manage the ground that you're on and see, then scout out new ground. And let's begin to do for ourselves what we may have expected in the past others to do for us, to walk for ourselves, to fight for ourselves, to feed ourselves and to manage the land that God has given to us, ourselves. What do we need to do to manage what God has given us that we are hoping or expecting or may have been hoping or expecting God or others to manage for us. I pray that that word has encouraged you today and caused faith to rise in our hearts. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for every person listening. Help us to be good stewards of what you've entrusted to us. Help us to take the ground by taking steps of faith that you have for us. Help us to lay hold of our inheritance and to manage what you give to us, that it might be a blessing, not only to us, but to others, to see your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And help us in every area of our lives to have a sense of ownership that adds value to our world on every front, knowing that the stewardship of our sphere is so important for each and every one of us. Help us to move forward in your will and purpose, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, if you were listening to that message this morning on, and uh, you've never ever made a conscious decision to accept Christ as your savior, I want to do. I want to give you an opportunity today to do that. I talked earlier about how Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves, and I want to take a moment to to. I invite you to do yourself what God won't do for you, and that is to invite Jesus into your life. Jesus already did everything for us, for us to know salvation, to know that we have the gift of eternal life, that we'll spend eternity in heaven with Jesus, to know his peace and presence and purpose and all of the inheritance that's ours in Christ. He did that for us. But something we have to do for ourselves is we have to open the door of our lives and our heart and invite Him in. He won't do that for us. He won't pressure us to do that. He simply invites us. And if you would do that today, Jesus says, I'll come in, I'll sit with you, I'll eat with you. Your life will be transformed from the inside out because you've invited Jesus into your life and world. So would you pray that with me today? I wanna pray that and I know that God's gonna do something powerful in your life. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. I open up my heart and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me and I believe that from this day on I will never be the same again. I am a new creation. You live inside me through your Holy Spirit and help me to follow you all the days of my life may your spirit be my guide may your word be my roadmap and may I take steps of faith every single day in Jesus name amen if you pray that prayer God bless you we're so glad that you did that it's the greatest prayer anyone could pray and on the screens are a number of ways that you can connect with us we'd love to connect with you help you take the next steps into your God given purpose and destiny. So glad that you made that decision, and we're believing God for great things for your life and your future.
2: The end and the beginning, new reality outside my understanding, still within my reach. As far with the end. the time and space could not contain you. You are the everlasting light.
0: Well, we're so glad you could be with us today. I pray that you are encouraged and inspired by the word, uh, by every facet of this service. Thank you for Uh, your faithful viewing. Don't forget to let people know. Send people the link so that we can invite people to to join us. And I pray that God will bless you this coming week and that you'll know his peace and his favor. As we prepare to go into the school year, I want to pray that God will give a special grace to all the kids that are returning to school and all the young people uh, and the parents, those who are with their children in distance learning. Uh, so Father, I pray in Jesus name for each and every person that is watching today, every family member, for our church at large. And I pray Lord for your special, a special measure of your grace for this day, for this week. And as uh, we prepare for a new school year coming up in only a couple of weeks and for some even earlier, we pray that you would you would uh, go with us Go before us, help us navigate this. And I pray, Lord, that in it all, your kingdom would be extended. People would turn towards you and that they would know your peace and your presence at work in their lives. Whatever people are going through, Lord, bring healing to their lives. Bring strength and your grace, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you again soon.